This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Coming up on Stu Does America, I say it all the time, don't be an idiot. Don't be a LeBron. Well, I'm joined by sports anchor and commentator Jill Savage. We're going to talk about the dumbest man I'm thinking about lately, LeBron James. And another day, another Democrat governor defying their own lockdown rules in their state. This time we head to Michigan. And we'll look at a sad story out of Connecticut about an up-and-coming track star who's having her career ruined by trans athletes out-competing her. Let's do cheating at sports. Stu does America. Stu does cheating at sports. Why do we show, why do we name it that today? Why is the title of the show Stu does cheating at sports? Who cares if people cheat at sports? I kind of want to take you through why you should care about cheating at sports. And it goes to something that we've talked about as conservatives for a long time, this sort of theoretical possibility that if we just embrace blindly these new transgendered norms that we're all supposed to say are completely right all the time without any disagreement, if we just accept that, we're going to have situations like female athletes competing against biological males and losing their races, losing at their uh, sports, um, and it's going to cause some major problems. So let's go there first. There's a story from uh, Connecticut. Uh, the title is, I was the fastest girl in Connecticut, but transgender athletes made it an unfair fight. It's written by someone named Chelsea uh, Mitchell. And let me give you a little, uh, let me give you a little pe- uh, look into her life over the past few years. It's February 2020. I'm crouched at the starting line at the high school girls 55 meter indoor race. This should be one of the best days of my life. I'm running in the state championship, and I'm ranked the fastest high school female in the 55-meter dash in the state. I should be feeling confident. I should know that I have a strong shot at winning. Instead, all I can think about is how my training, everything I've done to maximize my performance, might not be enough, simply because there is a transgender runner on the line with an enormous physical advantage. She goes on to say, I won that race, and I'm grateful. But time after time, I have lost. I've lost four women's state championship titles, two all New, England, New, all New England awards, and numerous other spots on the podium to transgender runners. I was bumped to third place in the 55-meter dash in 2019 behind two transgender runners. With every loss, it gets harder and harder to try again. Think about that if you're, I mean, we know how, we live in 2021 here. We know how difficult it is for especially young women to grow up in the sort of social media age where everyone is awful all the time. And you're sitting here trying to advance your athletic career and you're really, really good at it. And what happens is you wind up going against people who were born dudes. And unfortunately, because of biology, you're unable to win those particular races, or at least most of them. This is something that affects people uh, in a serious way. And I, as, a, as a dad of a, both a son and a daughter, I want my daughter to be competing against people who she's fairly matched up against. That's not a theoretical concern. It's a real concern, and it's actually happening to people. There's a lawsuit going on right now with three people in Connecticut about this very topic. Uh, Chelsea uh, Mitchell goes on to say, 
Besides the psychological toll of experiencing unfair losses over and over, the CIAC, the governing body, their policy has a more tangible harm for women. It robs girls of the chance to race in front of college scouts who show up for elite meets and to compete for the scholarships and opportunities that come with college recruitment. I will never know how my own college recruitment has impacted, was impacted by losing those four state championship titles. When colleges looked at my record, they didn't see the fastest girl in Connecticut. They saw a second or third place runner. Now, this has real effects on, on obviously, sports, not just for someone who's the fastest girl in the state. Go down a little bit. The person who maybe would have finished in third now is out of the medal, uh, not on the medal uh, uh, platform, no longer uh, winning, uh, and, and, and no longer has their name printed in the papers as one of the top three finishers. The person who just maybe would have squeaked onto the team doesn't squeak onto the team, and on and on and on it goes. Now look, I'm a big sports fan. We're going to talk sports a little bit later on in the program. I could pretty much sit here and talk sports with you every single night. It's my favorite distraction to get the hell away from the universal hellscape that is the United States of America at this point. Uh, but like, it's still a game. And if the effect of some major positive change was that some girl, uh, I mean, uh, was, you know, at the, on the fringes of making a track team and didn't, we'd be a little upset, but we'd move on with our lives. It's probably not even anything that we'd talk about. But it's such a big deal because it spreads all over, not just sports. It goes further and further than that. It's this embrace, this blind embrace of these brand new norms that, you know, look, we, I think, as a, as a population are a bunch of people who, generally speaking, are really, we want to be nice to everybody. We don't want to be critical of anyone. We don't want to make anyone feel bad. So we embrace things that we don't actually believe. I mean, frankly, everybody knows that someone who's born a boy and has decided not even let for take the take the extreme cases where there's surgery and there's drugs and all these other things. Many times it's just someone saying that they feel like a woman and are able to compete against women. Is that fair? It might not be the biggest example. It's just the one that hits you home the most. I think if you happen to be a father of a, or a mother of a little girl, you see that, you see what their life might look like in a world where this is just sort of embraced blindly. And the question is, not only is it just get, does it just get embraced, it gets to this point where it's, it's not just, hey, tolerate this, it's accept it, it's cheer it on, it's never say a critical word. That not only is not a good idea for society as a whole, it also is flying in the face of the First Amendment. It's not the right thing to do, and it's hurting our country, and it's hurting individuals as well. CBS, I will say, I have absolutely no freaking idea how this segment got on the air. I mean this sincerely. CBS on 60 Minutes uh, ran a segment, and 60 Minutes is still the flagship news station, uh, uh, news program of CBS. It's still sort of the show. It's been around for a million years. I have absolutely no idea how this thing got on the air. I will say that many liberals who have questioned this sort of doctrine have been vilified. Uh, we've talked to Deborah So on this show. Deborah So is not a conservative. Deborah So is a, is a scientist, a journalist, and as she would tell you, someone who's generally speaking on the left. Yet she just talking about 
maybe it's not the right idea to have everybody rush into gender transition as children. She has been ostracized by the left. Um, uh, we've talked to Katie Herzog on the show, another journalist. She wrote a piece about detransitioning people who transitioned uh, with, their, with their gender and then decided it wasn't right for them and transitioned back. That one article basically had her ostracized from her you know, huge blossoming mainstream media uh, career. Jesse Signal, the same thing. Uh, her, her partner on, on their podcast had a, the similar run-in. He was working, I think, at The Atlantic and wrote a big story about detransitioning and uh, questioned some of these things you're not allowed to question and now is persona non grata. This is happening over and over and over again and it's not just to conservatives anymore. This has gone much further than that. Let me give you a clip from the CBS show. Again, I have absolutely no idea how this got on the air. I, I can't, I legitimately can't believe it. I come on here all the time and I think I know what I'm talking about. A lot of times, as you know, I do not. However, with this one, I would be pretty sure to tell you that after the last couple of years, after seeing liberal after liberal after liberal ostracized for questioning these things, the idea that CBS would run a segment like this on 60 Minutes is mind-boggling. But let me give you a couple of extended clips from it because it's important that you see it because I know you weren't watching last night. <laughs> You're sane, so you probably were not watching 60 Minutes. This is 60 Minutes talking about detransitioning. Watch. They asked me, so why do you want to go on testosterone? And I said, well, being a woman just isn't working for me anymore. And they said, okay. So that was that. You got your prescription for testosterone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just four months after she started testosterone, she says she was approved for a mastectomy, what's called top surgery, that she told us was traumatic. It started to have a really disturbing sense that like a part of my body was missing, mm. almost a ghost limb feeling about being like, there's something that should be there. And the feeling really surprised me, but it was really hard to deny. And so she detransitioned by going off testosterone and then went back to the clinic and she says complained to the doctor that the process didn't follow the WPATH guidelines. I can't believe that I transitioned and detransitioned, including hormones and surgery in the course of like less than one year. It's mm. completely crazy. It greatly concerns me where the field has been going. Mm -hmm. I feel like what is happening is unethical and irresponsible. Um, in some places, everyone is very scared to speak up because we're afraid of not being seen as being affirming or being supportive of these young people or doing something to hurt the trans community. But even some of the providers are trans themselves and share these concerns. This should be, I think, obvious to everyone on the planet. And you know what? Here's the thing. I think it is obvious to everyone on the planet. The people who are out there saying that you should go in to a doctor, have one or two appointments, and end up with testosterone and a double mastectomy to make you healthier. Those people don't believe it either. They don't believe it either. They're terrified. They're terrified. And that's why right now there's only one place. Really, conservative media is it. If you're not on conservative media, every single in your, uh, signal in your entire life tells you to shut up tells you to just let it slide, tells you to not speak up.
Conservative media is the only place where you're rewarded for it. And frankly, I say this all the time. People come up and we'll do these, uh, you know, whenever when we used to actually be able to see people. And they would come up and they would say, like, hey, I listen to the radio show all the time. I can't believe you guys think, you know, keep speaking the truth. I'm, I'm so I wish, you know, I wish I could do it. You know, keep speaking the truth. And I can't believe you guys go out there and you say the stuff you do. And in fairness, like it's easy for us. Right. Like this is our gig. We come in here every day. The blaze doesn't care if I tell the truth. They want me to do it. If I stop telling the truth, the blaze will get pissed off at me. We are rewarded. We are incentivized to come in here every day and say it ex exactly the way we mean it. Just come out and blurt it out. Sometimes we're idiots about it. And I admit it. I do it here all the time. I'm sure I screw up all the time. But the bottom line is when I come in here and I say something, it's something that I feel and what I, something that I mean and the, and the, the truth as I see it. And sometimes it pisses you off and sometimes it doesn't. But we're rewarded. It's our job to come in here and say what we believe the facts are. That is not our society anymore. The incentive structure has switched around. And it is now a situation where you are incentivized strongly to zip it, to be at work, hear something that you know isn't true, and not say a word. And I know the easy thing to do is say, well, rise up and say everything you want. It's hard to do. You got a family, you got a job, you got a life to worry about. It's hard to do. But the further we get down this road, the more important it gets. Let me give you another clip from this and a couple warnings on this one in particular. Number one, if you happen to be a parent and you see your kid watching YouTube and all oh, they look at their favorite influencers and you're not really monitoring that closely. I want you to think right. I want you to keep that thought in your mind as you watch this next clip. And secondarily, there's a sentence in this next clip. It mentions a T word. And if you're a guy, it's going to make you cringe. I apologize for that in advance, but it is important. Get ready to cringe and watch 60 Minutes. How many of you feel that you were blindly affirmed? I didn't get enough pushback on transitioning. I went for two appointments, and after the second one, I had, like, my letter to go get on cross-sex hormones. Two visits? That's it? All four tell us they learned about transitioning on the Internet, uh -oh. where there are transformation videos on YouTube, trans influencers, and forums. Yeah, I've just never been able to be me, but I can now. For Daisy in Chicago, who says she started taking hormones at 18, everything was great in the beginning. After every step that you take, every milestone feels like a million bucks. When I got top surgery, I was elated. When I changed my name, I was elated. But when everything that I had set out to do was done, I still felt incomplete. Garrett from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, went from taking hormones to getting his testicles removed, he says in just three months, whereas the current guidelines call for continuous use for a year. He later got a breast augmentation, but instead of feeling more himself, he says he felt worse. So more depressed after you transition than before. Mm -hmm. I had never really been suicidal before um, until I had my breast augmentation. And about a week afterwards, I wanted to like actually kill myself. Like I had a plan and I was gonna do it, but I just kept thinking about like my family to stop myself. 
it kind of felt like, how am I ever going to feel normal again like other guys now? Mm. I apologize for the cringing, first of all. Secondly, I, I'll say, you know, again, if your kid is uh, doing stuff on, on YouTube that you don't know about, you should probably know about it. It's probably a good idea. Beyond that, the problem with this is it's this sort of surface thing to try to change about yourself to make you feel better. And you know what? If you happen to be out of shape and you decide to go to the gym, you're like, I'm going to work out and that's going to make me feel better. You can try it. Of course, you'll realize that it's just an endless pit of sadness. The gym is one of the saddest places on earth, of course. We all know that exercise is deadly. But you might not know that when you start. And you go down these roads and you might be able to, I'm going to change the way I eat. I'm going to change this. I'm going to pick up a hobby. I'm going to learn something new. You can try all these things to get yourself out of a depression, right? But they're reversible. You can go back to being the fat slob on the couch you were before, right? You can be the dumbest person in the world, never read a book. You can do all those things. You can go back to it. You can't, I mean, you saw detransitioning does not look like a process that seems like a lot of fun. It's a difficult thing. And when you're starting cutting body parts off of you to try to find happiness, what happens when it's not there? What happens when you've convinced yourself through YouTube that the endless happiness you will feel when you just make this change and this change and this change, when they're all done, you're really going to feel that happiness. And then you get to the end of that process and it's not there. Over 80% of people who, as young people, uh, express interest in transitioning, later on, if they don't get the transition done, say, I'm glad I didn't go through with it back in the day. Over 80%. This is something that might seem like a good idea, uh, but for most people, winds up being something they really regret later on. And we have an entire society built up through, uh, through big tech, through, uh, through our education system, through politics, through our entire society, which incentivizes people to not say anything negative about these ideas, but also to promote them as if they're, you know, the only positive. It's like you can't just be, uh, you, know, you can't just be accepting of transition. You have to be pro-trans. It's like that whole thing with, you can't just uh, not be a racist. You have to be anti-racist. There's this element where people have to dive in and they have to promote these things and agree with them and say that this is only a wonderful change and, and everything you want right now and this maybe really traumatic moment of your life is the right thing. It's going to be tough to talk up as a society and change these things. But at the very least, as, as an, at an individual level, we need to be able to, to, to be brave and stand up and, and, and say the things that we need to say. Because we all know these things aren't true. We all know it. It's obvious. It's not something that is, it's, is in debate. You know, we've, we talk about believing in the science. Is that really what we're doing now? Is that what you just saw on that video from 60 Minutes? It's a really, really brave thing. For some reason, 60 Minutes did. I'm sure they're going to pay a price for it, but I'm glad they did it. And this all stems from what we started with at the beginning here. Cheating at sports. You got guys running in girls' uh, races and no one says anything. There's a long series of consequences that comes out of that. Cheating at sports is just one little example, though it hits home to so many people. And that's why we use it all the time. That's why we talk about it all the time. Because it hits home with people. But at the end, this turns into something a lot more serious than a game.
As I just talked about, exercise is one of the most deadly things you can, you can associate yourself with. I do not recommend it. What I do recommend are Bilt Bars. Why? Because Bilt Bars are delicious and they are low in calorie and they are low in carbs and they are high in fiber and they are high in protein. They have all the right things in all the right categories. So you got the statistical breakdown of Bilt Bars. You know they're good, but what about the flavors? Does it take, taste like sawdust and Splenda? No. Bilt Bars come in a variety of flavors. They're amazing. Cookies and cream, caramel brownie, raspberry. They got a birthday cake one that is out now. That's brand new. Uh, a bunch of new stuff is out. And I will say, like, Bilt Bar is one of those companies that's just always innovating. They're always coming up with a new flavor. They're always trying to get you something that you're really going to love. And there's so many to love out there right now. BuiltBar.com is the place to go to get these things. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code STU15. These are not normal protein bars. You're going to love these things. STU15 is the promo code. BuiltBar.com is the address. 15% off. Use the code STU15. So happy to welcome into the studio commentator, sports reporter, Jill Savage. Jill, thanks for coming in. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. No, it's great to have you. So I, I think my first question is, why are you here? Like, I feel like uh, big time sports reporters don't want to associate with us conservatives. I am one of you conservatives, though, oh, no. so I think that's the problem. <laughs> Everybody else, they're like, oh, once they find out I'm a conservative, they're like, oh, okay, we're going we're gonna to go over here yeah. and play in this circle, and you can stay here. So these are my people. This is, this is what I do. These, this is it. But, but there has to be some part of you that went through this decision and thought to myself, I, no one's going to ever let me on a big sports network again. Uh, there's a part of my brain that says, you know, this is a really terrible idea <laughs> because you have a great sports career going. Would you risk that to be canceled? Mm -hmm. And I just thought, yeah, why not? I mean, <laughs> at some point, the country is going to crumble mm. and there's going to be nothing left of it. So is that really worth it being on the sidelines anymore for, I mean, all these cool games, but... Yeah. There's no country left. So is that really what 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 drove you to this? Like yeah. in that you were just like I I'm seeing what's happening in this country. I don't like it. Something somebody needs to stand up and say something. Absolutely. That is exactly why I'm here. It's mm. it's one of those things that I just felt like I have all this information that I know, things that I've studied, things that I've learned. I like sharing information with people mm -hmm. and I felt like sharing, you know, like the football stuff, like it's cool and all, and mm -hmm. I still like it. Yeah. But at some point, again, the country is a much bigger deal than, like, if the Eagles win or not. Well, that's, eh, I, I would have to disagree with you on that. Um, but every other example you could come up with, I would agree with you on. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, because sports is interesting. And, like, you know, I'm on the show with Glenn Beck on the radio show. Huge sports fan. Know. Yes, huge <laughs> sports fan, as you know. He doesn't know anything about sports. And whenever, he, whenever I bring up a story and I want to talk about it and it's sports related, his eyes glaze over. He doesn't want to talk about it because he doesn't care at all. He has no interest. But what I always say to him is like, this is really a, a part, the, part of the cultural fabric of our country. It's about personal responsibility. It's about merit-based uh, activities. There's so much of it that is in the heart of America. Now, he usually doesn't believe me and he just ignores my, my points. But like, I think that's true. I mean, I think, you know, when you see like, let's for, say, for example, the woke 
aspects of our society, all this craziness entering into the world of sports in such a big way, it's not just a silly entertainment product. It is something that's core to America. In the South, you have books about football, church, and all the rest that go mm -hmm. along with it, and that's all one in the same. I think we need to get Glenn to Alabama or something yeah, yeah. And, and take him to a college football game and yeah. let him see the atmosphere because it is interwoven into society, and I think that is part of, I'll, I'll use my transition <laughs> into uh, politics, it's, it is becoming one and the same now. And for me, it, it almost felt like I was already in a political world. I think that's what ESPN did to everybody yeah. is you wanted to watch sports and you were already watching something political, some political commentary anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I think that when you do look at sports as a whole, it defines a lot of the country and how we became the country that we are, especially in the last 50 years. Yeah, that's that's I think that's totally true. And, and you see it, I think, in the difference between, let's say, take pro sports for a second. Like I, I, a lot of the audience, I think, would disagree with me on this. But as a big NFL fan, the least egregious of the woke leagues has been the NFL. They've had their moments, they've done their things. The Colin Kaepernick thing has made a lot of a lot of news, but the complaint about Kaepernick is that the NFL wouldn't let him play. It wasn't that they were embracing him kneeling. Um, you go kind of baseball, hit it a little bit harder last year. And then there's the NBA, which, you know, I like the NBA, I like basketball. When I watch the games, I enjoy them, but I find it torturous to, to, to dedicate any attention to watching this league right now because it is seemingly a Black Lives Matter product that also occasionally plays basketball. They had Black Lives Matter on the court last year. Mm -hmm. They got rid of that real quick. That did not come back <laughs> no. for year two. No, didn't. That didn't That's make true. the cut. Yeah. Um, yeah, when you do watch the NBA, it is social just social justice warrior like in your face yeah. all the time. Um, I, I haven't watched much. I didn't watch any of the regular season. I did watch a little bit of mm -hmm. the playoffs because we're in the playoffs now. I mean, it's, it's a different time of the year. Yeah. But... I just don't feel like I missed anything when I didn't watch the NBA regular season. Yeah, I mean, like you're seeing athlete Jalen Brown is running his basically quoting communists. Uh, Kyrie Irving is saying that he can't really focus on basketball right now because of all the turmoil in, for the Palestinians, like as if two days ago he had heard of the Palestinians. Uh, and then, of course, there's LeBron James, who's always the king of this. And if you, you know, the king. The, yeah, he's the king of this. Um, He's not the king of basketball, but he's the king of this. So he has, he's been, he's had some really interesting things going on. He's been ultra, ultra woke on everything, unless it comes to the Uyghurs in China, and then he doesn't seem to care about that at all. You know, he's one of these guys that seems to be um, impervious to criticism from the mainstream media, even when it comes to his potential vaccine status. He gets a pass. Mm. I, I think that it's interesting to see how many people are being asked, are you vaccinated? Mm -hmm. Are you vaccinated? LeBron? Oh, we don't we don't need to know that. We know that 85% of the Lakers are vaccinated. Right. Of the organization as a whole. <laughs> we don't know about LeBron James himself. And for whatever reason, that's okay. And yeah. in this woke culture, the left's their favorite <laughs> athlete yeah. 
is not backing them on this one. You know it has to kill them. Oh, it does. It does. You know, it's funny because the vaccine thing, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the vaccines. I'm glad they exist. I think we've, we're opening up a large part because of them. But there's a lot of people who just don't like them and they should be able to do whatever the hell they want, in my opinion. Freedom. Yeah, I think it's always a good answer, isn't it? Yeah. It's always a good answer. Um, but there's this stigma that goes on from the media on whether you're vaccinated or not. And the and the vaccine the anti-vaccination thing really spans both sides of the aisle. I mean, you know, RFK Jr. is one of the biggest anti-vaccine guys out there. Jenny McCarthy, actress, she no no conservative there. Um, and now LeBron, I mean, you read the quotes; it really does seem like he's just not getting va vaccinated, and they're just kind of letting him slide with that. They don't want to point out. Mm that he's not vaccinated, right? You do, you read around it yeah. and it's like, oh, well, you know, the NBA came out on, I think it was like March 17th and said, if you're vaccinated now, you can go do any of these sponsorship activities, go ahead, no 10 day quarantine or whatever right. needed. LeBron went and he was at a tequila party or whatever that he had yeah. um, for one of his clients, one of his sponsorship deals. He played in the game on Sunday. There, there was no stopping him <laughs> from that. Charles, Charles Barkley had fun with it, too. They're like, there's no way they're going to keep LeBron <laughs> on the sidelines for the playoffs. Are you kidding me? It's I, LeBron James. I really would have loved to have seen it. Uh, just a, he's got to sit in quarantine for 10 days. as a, During as, the playoffs. Oh, that's what I, I can only, I mean, I'm a bad person when it comes to LeBron. I just don't like him. I don't want good things to happen to him. I know it's terrible. It's a terrible thing. Uh, but I, 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 I smile when I see First of all, the Lakers lose, or any team he's on lose. Um, but Amen. to see him going through this uh, this process has been interesting. Uh, Barstool Sports had a, a little highlight, um, and this is just a microcosm of everything that is LeBron James. This is from his game. Uh, the other, I think it was it was a game one of this last series. Yeah. Um, that they 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 lost, thankfully. Here, watch this clip. But only to be upstaged by LeBron. If you notice, so LeBron goes down after a guy who's like a foot smaller than him boxes him out and LeBron's basically dead on the ground sniper shot from the ceiling a pretty much dislocated shoulder right so he's got all the eyes on him and then a funny thing happens my man campaign decides you know what I'm gonna step up for my teammates a little scuffle a little brouhaha happens at around like the elbow three-point area right LeBron looks up and he sees Oh, no, all the attention is off of me. So the scuffle happens. LeBron gets up. He walks over to where the scuffle happened, and then he collapses again at that exact spot so that everyone then looks at LeBron and his pretty much broken shoulder. Uh -huh. <laughs> I love that clip. It's perfect commentary. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. And it's him. You know, the, the game before that, when they beat the Warriors, uh, the, when he had a last-second shot, he got, you know, supposedly poked in the eye. And as I watched it, I thought, there is, I, I don't believe him at all. I don't believe he was even hit. You watch him, he is such a faker and a liar and constantly is trying to upstage everybody on his own team. I don't understand the fascination with this guy. The NBA players of the 90s would be so disappointed mm. watching that clip, watching LeBron, watching all of these people, but mostly LeBron. Yeah. It's so disappointing that, that we have lost. And again, it, I think it really kind of goes back to, oh, masculinity, you can't have this. You, you can't be a man and all that. Like, you get points now for 
all of our injuries, all of our wokeness, all yeah. of this on this other side and the masculinity stuff is like, oh, push that down, suppress that. Yeah. You can't do that. And it's like, oh, give me, give me Michael Jordan, please. Oh, I mean, he's the greatest, of course. You know, it's, it's amazing though to watch this because I was thinking about, it's funny you bring that up. I was talking about this uh, earlier today in that there is a, we've gone from a, a, a country that would, if someone insulted you, if someone uh, pushed you, if someone did something bad to you, our instinct as a country was to say, doesn't bother me, bring it on, whatever. It doesn't bother me at all. I didn't even know it happened. I didn't even hear you say it. You know, like that was our instinct. The exact opposite is now, in which now if someone insults you, you say, well, I, ha I was crawled up in the corner of my apartment sobbing for weeks. I had to go to therapy for, for six months. Uh, I, I don't know that I'll ever be the same again. We now, our best comeback is to show that we're devastated by the attack. I, when did that change? I have been triggered by <laughs> yeah. the words that you have said. Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah where that disconnect mm. happened. I don't know that I can point to a moment um, where that really turned, but we should look as a society to raise children that are not triggered by the words mm. that somebody else says, because that's where we are right now, for sure. I totally agree with you. It's but giving, we giving up can't, control, right? It's, we, can't, we can't survive this way. Yeah. It's like when you act that way, you are giving control to the person who attacked you. You're not saying like, it's my control. I'm going to step through this. I'm going to get through this and not worry about it. You're saying, I can't handle it myself. I, I need help. I need everyone to come to my assistance, to get that person fired, or I can't possibly con continue. I mean, frankly, it's just pathetic. I don't identify with any of this, right. so Good. I don't I don't know what to say there. Good. It's just one of those things like you see it happen all yeah. the time. And I'm like, but go back, right. go, yeah. go back to what we were. Yes, this is how we got to be a great country. Yeah. Okay, um, let's talk about this great country here for a second, because um, you probably had a pretty unique experience going through COVID, right? I mean, you're a sports reporter yeah. and sports just stops, right? I in got the, the call of March. Yeah. In, in the summer. Where were you in March when this was going on? Uh, I was at the Pac-12 men's basketball tournament <laughs> in Las Vegas. Mm. We had successfully completed the women's tournament a week before and everything, you know, it was like, it was really weird, yep. but it, it was, it was done. Started, finished, mm -hmm. completed. Mm -hmm. The men, we had one day and a lot was changing throughout that day. Uh, we're gonna have fans tomorrow, now we're not. Now it's only gonna be players and their families. And then we woke up the next morning and that's the night that the NBA had canceled everything. Mm. Um, and so we were essentially at the very last game that was completed for college basketball that Wednesday night. Um, and then we woke up and, and everything had changed. Wow, what, I mean, that's just completely insane. Um, what what did you think about the country's performance through this year? Oh. How, what did we do? Um, I think looking back on it now, there are a lot of things that I would hope that we wouldn't do again. <laughs> we turned over a lot of power to a lot of unelected officials, one, uh, but our elected officials also took and ran yeah. with so much uh, that I would hope that we are now We've seen that once, right? Fool me once, okay. Fool mm -hmm. me twice, no. Um, I think that now when we do look at this, there are some positive things, like people are going to the school boards and actually voicing their opinions a little bit more. Yeah. But the fact that we let them lock us down 
force you to wear masks. We saw data. We saw all of these numbers and they're like, that doesn't work. These these charts here show that there's no correlation. It's like, OK, but how long are we going to go on with the lie? I feel like that's one of the things that that we're going to be worse off for is because now they know if we just make the lie big enough, we can get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had Michael Malice on the show, I think it was last week, and he said something that's been sticking with me, which was basically like we just spent a lot of one year, te- you know, giving a lot of questionable people. I think he said terrible people, but questionable people, a lot of information about how much we'll put up with. Yeah. And that's a scary thought, isn't it? They kept pushing and kept pushing, and we let them do it every single time. Uh, I will complain, though. I think I'm the one person like that fell through the cracks of like all the government money. Like I got yeah. nothing. I'm like, how, if we're gonna go do that again, like let's figure that out. How I get into that lane that they just give me some more of that. I know. Money. What you, I didn't get Jack. Nothing. Uh, wh- I, I have mean, nothing. That's. Uh, it's almost a badge of honor at this point. It kind of is. I guess it kind of is. I mean, look, and I can understand. Look, people went through some tough times, especially with the government closing your business. You're running a business. The government closes it. Well, they should probably compensate you. But we're at that point now where we're talking trillions of dollars over those lines and no end in sight. I mean, this idea that you can never let a crisis go to waste seems to be the uh, the American anthem at this point. And now with the extra 300 bucks, we can't get people to go work at restaurants. So yeah. come on, we need we need America back up and running. And I need food. We I need mean, food. I need constant appetizers. You know, I, I they need to be coming flowing all the time. And there's going to be another power hour. <laughs> oh, God. Power hour would uh, that was I will tell you, I'm too old for that. I am too old for it. It's like, they're like, you should do, I mean, it did so well. You should do them like every couple of weeks. I would die in like a month. I have no capacity for this anymore. Recruit new people. All right. Well, you're coming on next time then. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Can you handle that? Something like that? You think? No, 60? <laughs> I'm a lightweight, but I will be here for the commentary. All right. Good. I like that. All right. Uh, Jill, where can people find you? Jill underscore Savage on Twitter Jill, is the best place. That's the best place to go. Yep. Jill underscore Savage. Uh, don't miss her commentary. She's on uh, News and Why It Matters today as well. Go back, watch that podcast, listen to it, and definitely follow Jill on social media. Thank you so much, Jill. This is awesome. Thanks for having me. It was great. So is Gretchen Whitmer the worst governor in America? Now, I would argue we've got a little situation right here. Uh, Andrew Cuomo is awful.com. That is the worst. But Gretchen Whitmer, Whitmer is certainly in the worst five, worst three. Uh, she once again has done the same type of thing she did earlier. She still has a bunch of restrictions on in her state. Um, and she issued an apology on Sunday after a photo emerged of her at a restaurant with 12 other people gathered around tables pushed together in violation of her health department's current epidemic order. Throughout the pandemic, I've been committed to following public health protocols. That's totally untrue. She's been snagged several times blowing it. Yesterday, I went with friends to a local restaurant. As more people arrived, the tables were pushed together. Because we're all vaccinated, we didn't stop to think about it. In retrospect, I should have thought about it. I am human. I made a mistake and I apologize. A couple things on this. What do you mean as you were as people started to show up, the tables were pushed together? Was there some earthquake? What, What happened? At some point, two people physically put them together, right? You could have stopped it. You didn't. It wasn't something that happened to you. You did it. You were part of it. Secondarily, you're actually totally right. You're totally right, if you're all vaccinated especially, to push tables together and hang out with 12 people. There's no reason not to do it. It's insane not to do it. In fact, even the CDC is saying there's no problem with doing that right now. 
You're just being, you're just virtue signaling at this point, and she once again gets snagged. This is the problem when you do, when you, when you uh, are constantly out there saying, um, "I'm going to be the person who's standing up for these health regulations," and then at the same point you don't actually believe them. Well, you get caught in these things. It's like Gavin Newsom didn't believe that he couldn't eat at that restaurant, so he just did it because he knew in reality it wasn't a bad thing, right? He just did it anyway. You know, LeBron James goes, Mitch says, I can't stand LeBron James. He goes to a tequila event. Why? Well, because he knows there's not really a problem there. Probably everybody except for him was vaccinated anyway. So really not a big deal, but he has to actually pretend like it is. This is the problem. CNN has uh, dropped Rick Santorum, which is unbelievable. The hypocrisy involved in this is unending. Uh, he, they've dropped Santorum because he said something about that. He said this, we birthed a nation from nothing. I mean, there's nothing here. I mean, yes, we have Native Americans, but candidly, there isn't much Native American culture in American culture. Now, look, you could say that's a little offensive. He said, I didn't really mean it that way, but we did develop a country pretty much from scratch. I mean, there was some stuff here, certainly. But, uh, you know, look, American culture came in, and, and obviously we know that story. Um, but even if you find that to be offensive, may I present to you the Chris Cuomo's worst mug? How does that guy not get fired? He's advising the governor, uh, who, who his own network is covering, on matters of sexual assault. He's breaking protocol by uh, leaving a quarantine. He's lying about the quarantine on the network. He's, he's been, he's given fluff interviews to his brother time and time and again. They keep him on, but they, they lose Rick Santorum because he made one mildly controversial statement in a speech. Wasn't even on CNN. Mind-blowing. Eugene Chung, he is a, a former NFL offensive tackle. He said he was told by uh, a team that he wasn't the right minority to be hired. Uh, he's talked to a, a Boston Globe about this incident. It was said to me, well, you're really not a minority, Chung said, who is of Korean descent. He's like, I was like, well, wait a minute. Last time I checked, when I looked in the mirror, I brushed my teeth. That was a minority. So I was like, what do you mean I'm not a minority? At that point, Chung noted the interviewer said, he wasn't the right minority we're looking for. Again, this woke stuff really hurts people. Mandalorian was supposed to have a spin-off series. What happened with that? Well, Gina Carano said something that was kind of mildly conservative, so she's tossed aside. What else? Now they're canceling uh, Rangers of the New uh, Republic, which was a spin-off of The Mandalorian, supposed to be a huge thing. Uh, that's been canceled, and it's not just about her. She's gonna wind up getting another job. She's a big, famous actress. But there's probably 100 people involved in that series who now have nothing. They get the, all, they might all be liberal and they get they lose all of this because this woke nonsense. But luckily, not every actor is getting canceled right now. You'll be happy to hear Kevin Spacey is back. He's surviving his Me Too allegations and now he's got a, a gig on a new uh, a new movie. Uh, it's an Italian movie. It's a bit part, but uh, a little bit of that Kevin Spacey comeback if that's what you were looking for. I highly doubt. That is what you were looking for, though. Back in a second. So this weekend, Saturday, was actually Bitcoin Pizza Day. And if you don't know what Bitcoin Pizza Day is, there was a guy, Laszlo. This is many years ago now, 2010. And he decided he wanted to try to get the Bitcoin economy going and offered 10,000 Bitcoin for two pizzas. 10,000 Bitcoin for two pizzas. Guy named Jeremy took him up on the offer and delivered two Papa John's pizzas to his house for 10,000 Bitcoin. The reason why it's notable is now those two pizzas, two Papa John's pizzas, are worth $380 million. 
It's expensive pizza. I will say there have been times which I would have paid $380 million for a pizza, but that's a totally different story. Um, at the time, though, it was only $41. So it was actually kind of a reasonable amount. Uh, at the time, there was no real Bitcoin economy. It took him four days to get the pizza of negotiation. He actually bought more than just two pizzas over the time. He kept renewing this offer. The guy likely spent what is now well over a billion dollars on pizza. Which is, again, there's been days that I, that made a lot would have made a lot of sense to me. Um, and if you're thinking like, oh, this guy, he got 10,000 Bitcoin, he's a multimillionaire. Not really. He wound up selling those Bitcoin for like $400. So he made 10 times his money, but it's hard to say he didn't leave a little bit of it on the table. All right, blazetv.com slash stew, promo code stew, 10 bucks off your Blaze TV subscription. Don't miss that. We had a great meeting uh, last week with all the fancy merch people around here. We've got great new merchandise coming, so get ready for it. Stewdoesmerch.com is where you can get your entire collection, including these fancy mugs and this fancy pen I'm holding right here. Nancy Pelosi sucks pen is the place to go uh, to get that as well. And uh, I will say, it's great to see you. Thank you for lasting for the entire show. You're one of the cool kids. Thanks for joining the Cool Kids Club. We'll see you tomorrow.